I want to pull back the curtain on the actual experience, because what often happens is we are seeing the exterior of somebody, right? They may look confident. They may look like they've got all their stuff together. In some cases they do, but a lot of times they feel underneath just like you do. And I think we all have this idea or this expectation that everyone around us is doing it right and that we somehow miss the memo, right? Like, oh, I don't, I don't have access to the same guidebook or the same manual that everyone else has. And so I have to, I have to figure this out. And I think what's really helpful to remember is that, and this I've learned just from being part of conversations internally and externally is that people are making this stuff up as they go along, right? Everybody's making things up. It's part of the way that our business structure works nowadays, because we're, we're so focused on innovation and creativity. There's no one right way or one perfect way to do things. Mm -hmm. So we really do ourselves a disservice when we look at and compare ourselves to other people and think, oh, I wish I could do what he does or what she does, because, you know, they're obviously a good model or a potential, you know, something to strive for. But at the end of the day, you're not doing it wrong just because you're not doing it the way they do it. Welcome to the Next Level Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop. I've been in different leadership positions over the last 10 years. And the most fulfilling part of what I do is when I help other women within the workplace get promoted which is why I started coaching in 2019 and helping women who weren't in the same company as me. If you wanna grow within your current role, be seen as a leader amongst your team and eventually get promoted into a larger role, this podcast is for you. Sometimes along the way, women realize that the growth might not happen within their current organization and change can be scary. So I also help women in the transition to finding a great fit in a new role with a new company and many of my clients end up getting a 20K salary raise along with that transition. And that can be you. After all, the world needs more female leaders and I'm here to create them. I focus on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, networking, and more. If you're ready to believe in yourself and take that action, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. I think you're going to love today's episode and today's guest talking all about imposter syndrome. I know so many of us deal with it in different ways and it creeps up for me in different ways as well. In my conversation today with Kim, we are touching briefly on the different areas that I focus on for coaching. So we focused on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, and networking. As far as how imposter syndrome can affect each of us in different ways in regards to those different areas. If you'd like for us to dive deeper in any of these topics, because as I was speaking with Kim, we could easily dive into them more deeply. And I would love to do that based on your feedback. So reach out and share what you want to hear about. Also, as a heads up, I will be opening group coaching soon, so stay tuned on the podcast or go over to NicoleHarrop.com and subscribe to my newsletter, and that way you'll get notifications as soon as group coaching opens. I am really excited about it. You'll have access to video content, 
PDF downloads to help you put those videos into action. It is short form content. So you can watch the video at the beginning of a workday or your work week and be able to implement it immediately. Other trainings that you might attend, it's hours long or different information is shared and it feels really overwhelming as far as what are those next steps. And I have worked hard to break that down into bite-sized pieces that are actionable for you on what you need. So you go access whatever video you want to learn more about and implement right away. That is in addition to the group coaching calls that we will have where I will give you advice exactly where you're at in your career and how you want to continue to grow where you're at or potentially figuring out if another career path is right for you. All right, well, let me introduce Kim to you today. Kim Menninger is an executive coach who specializes in women's leadership. She is passionate about empowering women in traditionally male-dominated fields to become more confident, visible, and influential leaders. Certainly, you can see why Kim and I got along so well and had so much chemistry, honestly, right from the get-go because we both felt this calling to do more for women who have been in similar positions that we've been in where we wished we had a mentor. And because we didn't, we decided to become that for other women who are in similar career paths as ourselves. All right, let's get started. All right, everyone. I am excited to introduce you all today to Kim Manager. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. I am excited about our conversation today. And I obviously am always sharing about how I meet my guests and, you know, it's all about that networking. And it was funny because Kim and I are in the same podcasting group. And when we came across each other's profiles, I had reached out, I believe I reached out to you on Facebook and then you've reached out to me on LinkedIn or vice versa. Anyway, when we realized that we had reached each other in these other areas, our message was pretty much the same of, hey, you do a similar podcast as I do about helping women in the workplace. And I, we both wanted each other on our podcast. So it ended up working out perfect that we were on the same wavelength, but I thought it was so funny how we ended up getting connected. Yes, I was too. I thought that was really great. It really made me think it must be fate that we were connected. (laughs) Yes, agreed. So I'm excited and we'll definitely be having Kim share more about her podcast so you can go tune in uh, to her as well. And I'll be appearing on hers shortly after this. So it'll be exciting to swap that around. Well, Kim, I want you to introduce yourself. Feel free to tell a little bit more about yourself personally, professionally, whatever you'd like to share today. Sure. Thank you. So I am an executive coach and I tend to work primarily with women in traditionally male dominated fields, although I'm, I don't exclude men. I certainly work with men as well, but I'm pretty passionate about helping women to navigate some of the complexities that come with those types of organizations. And that's really personal to me because I spent over 10 years in the high tech industry. So a lot of that is my own experience of learning the hard way of, you know, trying, trying to figure out how to navigate certain kinds of political environments, certain kinds of relationships. And so I say very 
genuinely that I strive to be the resource to women that I didn't have in my own career. And one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about imposter syndrome is because it was a big part of my journey in that world as well. Mm -hmm. And I just want everybody who struggles with it to have more access to support and resources. I certainly did. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think we are very similar. And as we discussed on our kind of pre-call prior to this, uh, both of us have felt that kind of calling to do more and to provide more guidance to those who clearly don't have it just as we didn't have it in our careers. I really didn't have a female mentor or a female leader until honestly, one of my more recent roles. And I've been working for the past 15 plus years. So definitely feel, feel you on that same area of how can we help more women to avoid some of those struggles that we experienced so they don't have to go through that. Exactly. Great. Well, I am excited to be talking as a big focus today about imposter syndrome, which on Kim's podcast, that's a a huge focus on different facets in people's lives. So uh, I'm excited to bring that over to Next Level Leaders podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about the different areas that I coach to. uh, So that will be our main focus today. But as you get more interested in the different things that we're talking about, certainly go check out Kim's podcast as well. So I'd love to start uh, with confidence. How does imposter syndrome affect confidence? So imposter syndrome is really that feeling that we are inadequate in some way, that we aren't adequately prepared for the role that we're doing, that we are a fraud, essentially. It's the best way to characterize it is I feel like even though to the outside world, I may be performing at a great level, I'm getting positive feedback inside. I'm feeling like it's only a matter of time before everyone realizes that I don't actually know what I'm doing. Right. So, you know, we can, I think of confidence more broadly, but I think of imposter syndrome more so in the context of competence related activities. So things like work, things like school are where we're most likely to experience it. It tends to show up in hyper-competitive environments. It tends to show up in environments without a lot of psychological safety, or it tends to show up when we feel different from the dominant culture around us, which is why we tend to see it so much more often in women, people of color, and other members of underrepresented groups. Definitely. If someone is struggling with confidence in the workplace, what is a piece of advice that you would recommend maybe as a starting point to improve that, to get over that imposter syndrome? So the first step, and this might sound a little bit weird, but the first step in my mind to managing imposter syndrome is to pay attention to when it shows up and when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I think we often think about growing our confidence in terms of more self-exploration, self-awareness kinds of activities, which I would certainly recommend. I think there's a lot of value to reconnecting with our strengths. And we can talk more about that as we move forward. But Mm -hmm. I really think of imposter syndrome and the management of imposter syndrome as really understanding what are the triggers so we can manage those. So for example, I talk to women all the time who say, 
when I step into this particular meeting, it's like I lose my ability to articulate a coherent thought. I cannot get my words or my message straight. I freeze. And what that tells me is not that that woman lost IQ points when she walked into that room, right? But there's something about that environment that made her feel unsafe and she can't show up in the most powerful way. She doesn't do that when she's with her friends, when she's with family, trusted colleagues. So I think it's really important to understand what's happening in the environment when you are experiencing imposter syndrome so that you can then start to tackle it from, you know, for example, every time I go to a meeting that I don't feel prepared for, I experience imposter syndrome. Okay, so what does prepared mean? right? What are some efficient action steps I can take to feel more prepared? That's going to help me to build my confidence. Yeah. I love that. And it reminds me of times when I feel imposter syndrome, because as I've grown in my career, I feel like confidence is one of the more easy things that comes to me, but it's because I've built that over time. So I get that often where someone sees me, how I carry myself into a meeting or how I show up in different spaces virtually, or even through messaging through, we use Slack at my work, but I get that a lot where people are like, you're so confident. How are you so confident? And Honestly, it it has been something that I've built over time, but something that I realize when I struggle with my confidence and imposter syndrome in that regard is when I've promoted into a new role within a current company or when I've transitioned from one company to the next. And I know I've done all of the same things. I've, I've stuck in similar types of my role where the industry might be totally different but I'm confident in what I've done uh, in the past for the roles that I've led or companies I've worked for. However, I start thinking, well, what if they don't think I'm as great as this previous company did? Or what if I'm not able to make the impact that I want? Or what if I take longer to get up to speed at a certain uh, position that I'm in? And for me, that's when imposter syndrome starts to show up. And I really have to remind myself that if I was hired into a certain job or uh, promoted into a certain role, other people see that potential in me. And while, you know, that potential may not have been fully realized yet, I need to kind of borrow their confidence in me for a little bit and also look back on my past success of things I have done well and know that I will get there because when I start at new companies, Sometimes I go through that dip in my confidence because I don't know everything yet. And I pride myself on being an expert in whatever position that I'm in. But at the beginning, I'm not an expert and I'm a very much novice learner. And uh, it takes me some time to get there. And that's where I've seen it show up for me most often. I think you capture that really well, because I think that imposter syndrome tends to strike high achievers and it tends to be highly correlated with perfectionism. So Mm -hmm. those of us who identify with those two things feel really uncomfortable when we don't know our stuff, right? So when you're new, you're taking on some new responsibility or heading into a new role or a new organization, you will inevitably experience that because you're so used to being good at what you do. You're so used to being so diligent and so conscientious about your work and the quality of your work. And there's nothing you can do to really speed up. You can't skip over those feelings. They're going to be there until you reach a point of comfort in that role. And so I think what you're saying is really powerful because 
just reminding ourselves that we've been here before. We, we tend to lose the forest for the trees. We get so laser focused on the here and now that we forget that, oh yeah, here we go again, right? Like I wasn't born with all of the strengths and skills and experiences I have today. Every single time I learned something new, I felt exactly the same way. And I, and I have gotten through it and I'm thriving. So I think that just those sort of conscious checkpoints or reminders to ourselves can go a long way in normalizing the feelings. It's not that we're going to make them go away, but we can tell ourselves, okay, yeah, you're okay. You'll, you'll get through it. Yes. And I think something that also helps, uh, especially for women who are volunteering for, let's say a new project. So it's not, you're not leaving your role completely, but maybe you're volunteering to take on a project that you feel is something that could help later be eligible for promotion versus, you know, raising your hand to coordinate some sort of activity that might not be as impactful in your career. So when you're volunteering for these other types of tasks or projects, what has also helped me is the thought of, I don't know this right now versus ending that sentence that I don't know this because other people, other people on your team, you may think, wow, why are they volunteering for all these things? They must know everything. They certainly don't. They just know their resources of who can get them the information they need, or they have that mindset of, I don't know this right now, but I will learn it at some point or whenever it is that I need to learn it and then leaning on their leaders to help them as well. I think it's a really good point too, because I think what it requires is a certain amount of flexibility. And I want to go back to what you had said earlier too, about people seeing you as someone with confidence, but that you've developed that over time. One of the reasons why I love podcasts like these and why I started my own is because I want to pull back the curtain on the actual experience, because what often happens is we are seeing the exterior of somebody, right? They may look confident. They may look like they've got all their stuff together. In some cases they do, but a lot of times they feel underneath just like you do. And I think we all have this idea or this expectation that everyone around us is doing it right and that we somehow miss the memo, right? Like, oh, I don't, I don't have access to the same guidebook or the same manual that everyone else has. And so I have to I have to figure this out. And I think what's really helpful to remember is that, and this I've learned just from being part of conversations internally and externally, is that people are making this stuff up as they go along, right? Everybody's making things up. It's part of the way that our business structure works nowadays because we're we're so focused on innovation and creativity. There's no one right way or one perfect way to do things. Mm -hmm. So we really do ourselves a disservice when we look at and compare ourselves to other people and think, oh, I wish I could do what he does or what she does, because, you know, they're obviously a good model or a potential, you know, something to strive for. But at the end of the day, you're not doing it wrong just because you're not doing it the way they do it. Exactly. Yeah, I could talk about confidence and imposter syndrome all day, but I want to move on to talk about how can someone overcome imposter syndrome when it comes to self-awareness? Yeah, so self-awareness is kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, if we lack self-awareness, we deprive ourselves of opportunities to grow. 
And, you know, ignorance is not always bliss. It can be more comfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think what I, what I often see with women in particular who are actively looking to grow their self-awareness is that it does come with a lot of anxiety. The more we understand ourselves and the more we're paying attention at a conscious level to some of the things that we would ordinarily just kind of go through the motions on, the more we start to question, am I doing this right? You know, are other people thinking something? And so I do think that it's really important to, to think about self-awareness really in the context of this is a baseline Mm-hmm. And to not necessarily attach a judgment to it, which I know is easier said than done. But if we think about where we started, every step we've taken has been further along the journey. If we want to grow, self-awareness is just what's our starting point. And then mm-hmm. we decide, okay, am I happy with where I am here? Do I feel like there's room for improvement? What's my goal? And then to really for- focus future-wise, you know, some more future-oriented um in more future oriented ways towards, okay, well, if I'm here today and I want to be more confident, I want to be, you know, whatever, more assertive, I want to be a better speaker, whatever that might be. Okay. That's the goal. What's the gap mm-hmm. and what are the action steps that I can take to fill that gap, not get all tangled up in what does it mean that I've noticed this about myself or, mm-hmm. you know, oh no, <laughs> right? I think mm-hmm. that anxiety that comes with it is important to manage. Yeah. I love what you're saying too. And for me with imposter syndrome, when it comes to self-awareness, I, I started having some, I would think, okay, I'm going into this meeting. I'm going to be more aware of how I am showing up. Am I being present? So sometimes I almost like set a goal with myself to think of how did I want to improve? What were my goals? If I wanted to be seen as a leader, was I sitting in the back of the room and not contributing to the conversation? Did I have my laptop open and I was working on emails, which could come across as disrespectful and disengaged? Having some of that kind of thought process and be and kind of being a little bit more proactive as well, because I like what you're saying of not judging yourself. And I think with imposter syndrome, that might pop up if you're thinking, oh my gosh, crap, I totally did all the talking in that conversation. I didn't allow this person to really even add value. So then you're adding judgment, which means, oh, I'm never going to be a good leader. And that kind of imposter syndrome might pop up. So maybe switching it around to what you said of that awareness without judgment and giving yourself that grace. There's been plenty of times where I've had conversations, even with some of my close girlfriends where I leave, maybe I'm like hanging out with them. We're at a restaurant and I leave. And I, I like to have kind of that self-reflection, self-awareness of did I, was I listening to actually listen and understand? Was I listening simply to respond and felt like what I had to say was more important? How, like I replay the conversation in my head because I want to improve my self-awareness. And when there are times, because there certainly are where I realize I bulldoze the conversation because maybe I had a lot going on in my life. I reach out to that friend and I say, Hey, I realize I did a lot of talking tonight. Can we go out to dinner again? You know, whether it's next month or whatever it is, 
And I want to be more focused on listening what's really going on in your life. And I apologize that I didn't do more of that today. And that can help you grow in immense levels versus not saying anything at all. And that friend maybe doesn't want to prioritize you for that next dinner. There's so many things about what you just said that jump out at me. The first one is intentionality, because I think that's a really big part of what you're saying. And I don't think we necessarily do this well. And I'm not saying that critically. I think we're just super busy. We're super distracted. We've got so much going on in our brains and in our worlds that it's really hard to focus. But from the perspective of imposter syndrome and really showing up from a place of strength, One of the big benefits of going into an interaction with that level of intentionality of who do I want to be in this room? What are the actions I'm going to take? What's my purpose for being here? Is that when we're focused externally on doing that, we're not listening to that inner critic in our head that's saying, no, you're not ready to say this. No, nobody's going to think that's a good idea, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're more, if you're more focused on the conversation that's happening, you're present there's less room for that kind of chatter. So I think that's a really powerful step to take. Mm -hmm. I also want to comment on what you said about, you know, following up with your friend and saying, hey, that didn't go well. Can we do a do-over, right? Is it's also something that I think, you know, we talked about perfectionism correlating with imposter syndrome. I think anxiety does too. And anxiety Mm -hmm. is only useful to the extent that it gives us information that we can act upon. So I have a lifelong history of anxiety and I I can ruminate forever. But what has helped me is to think of just like you said, right? Okay, well, if I'm anxious about something, there must be a reason. What can I do? It's not like it's the, it's not like I can never change anything, right? Like I can talk to that friend. I can try again. We have to remind ourselves that we have a new opportunity every day to start over again. Definitely. I love everything about that. And you're right. It's, it's information that we're getting and what we do with that. And maybe it's planning on how you want to go into a meeting or into a conversation with your boss or into you know, a talk with your friend or your partner, whatever that looks like having that intentionality before having a little bit of that reflection later is going to be such a helpful tool for you to implement and practice either doing the before. Cause maybe you get to that conversation and you're driving home. You're like, Oh crap, I forgot to set intentions, but now I have the time to reflect. So what could have gone better? What went really well in this conversation? What did I like about it? Also recognizing what went well that maybe this other person you're speaking with or the group that you're speaking with, what did you like about uh, that person as well? How did they hold themselves or how did they uh, bring up a conversation or segue from one thing to the next? When you have more of that thought, like you said, we're always so busy moving from one thing to the next, to the next. I totally get that. But when you make time to have a little bit of that download after those conversations, it can make such a difference on the things that you want to improve on as well. I want to add one quick thing to this, because I think this is an important part of this conversation too, is that that download is really important. And we tend to do it in negative ways, right? We tend to replay all of the things that didn't go well. You made a really good point when you talked about, and I think of this as almost like deconstructing, right? Like you deconstruct the situation when things are good and when things are bad. And what happens oftentimes is that we are not paying enough attention 
to what is going well. And that's because of our natural tendency to be on alert for danger. And so we always focus on the negative, but what happens is because our brains always go to the negative, all this positive stuff is happening in the background that we're not taking stock of. And then we get to our next destination, whether that's a new role or a new project or something. And we think, oh my God, how did I get here? It's such a fluke, right? That's because we haven't stopped and recognized. We haven't taken the time to mark those moments along the way that led us here. We've been so focused on all the things we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, really powerful to do what you're talking about and really just pay closer attention, dig, dig a little bit more deeply into what's going well, what worked for you. Yes, I agree because you're right. We, we tend to focus more on the things that aren't going well and how do we fix those? I'm a big proponent on saying, you know, when someone asks me what my biggest weaknesses are, I touch on them briefly, but I don't want to focus on things that I suck at because those things I actually don't care to get better in. I want to continue on putting my efforts into the unique qualities that I have that are really great and make them even better and connect with my resources who are really great and have those as that my, my weaknesses as their top strengths and let them continue to shine because those things don't bring me joy. They don't make me excited in the workplace. So how can I utilize other people to shine their best so that I can also shine my best? That is one of my favorite imposter syndrome strategies, actually, what you're saying, which is to not try to be and do everything yourself. We put so much pressure on ourselves to know everybody's jobs, to know everything of what's going on around us. And like you said, A, we don't necessarily want to, it's, it's not in our wheelhouse. It's inefficient, right? Because why would we need to develop a strength that someone else has? And I use this analogy because I really think it, it provides a good visual. If you think of a Swiss army knife, right? Where it's got all these different tools in it. Oftentimes we, as women in particular, especially perfectionists think we need to be the Swiss army knife, right? I need to be this the screwdriver and the corkscrew and whatever else goes into a Swiss army knife. I don't even know, but really the team is the Swiss army knife, right? You're one of those tools. And if you just keep sharpening the things that you're good at, then you create overall value. You're contributing to a system of tools that can all work really well together. And it takes the burden off when you can finally get to a place where you say, okay, I don't need to know that because I have a colleague that knows that it's liberating. Mm -hmm. We can, we can take a deep breath and say, great, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to do what I do well. And I'm going to lean on other people for what I don't. Exactly. Yes. I love that so much. Do you think imposter syndrome comes up with communication and how does that typically show up? Yeah. So I think kind of going back to what we were talking about before of when I step into a room and I feel nervous or I feel unsafe, I just don't communicate as well is one of those really unfortunate byproducts of imposter syndrome, because what it does is it reinforces the belief that I really am not good enough. So if I come into a room, I'm feeling incredibly nervous. I'm questioning whether I belong in that room. And now when I speak, I'm tripping over my words. I'm not saying what I want to say clearly. So now it's just making me believe, see, I knew I didn't belong here. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And then it might push us to avoid taking that same risk next time or putting ourselves up for the next challenge. So it definitely comes into play because it's one of the most powerful ways in which we 
interact with other people, obviously. So I think, again, it comes back to this idea of, first of all, knowing when you communicate well, like what are your strengths? And this comes up a lot, I think, because I see a lot of imposter syndrome in introverts, not because introverts are more likely to experience imposter syndrome, but because workplaces tend to be biased toward extroverts. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when you've got a whole bunch of people in a meeting and you've got a few extroverts that dominate the airwaves, then you've got introverts that are thinking, am I supposed to be more like him? Or am I, you know, I'm supposed to speak up. I'm supposed to be able to speak off the cuff. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be able to make snap decisions when that's not necessarily how they think. And I don't want to speak for introverts. I'm, a, I'm an extrovert primarily, but I certainly understand the sensitivities around that. And I think it's something that, you know, we need to recognize is not because of something wrong with you. It's just because you are put into a situation that doesn't allow you to show up from a position of strength. So from a communication perspective, one of the things that I recommend is absolutely sharpen whatever skills you can to do your best in an environment like that, because unfortunately you can't avoid it, but don't, don't feel like that's the only field you can play on, right? If you feel more comfortable in smaller group interactions, if you feel more comfortable processing your thoughts before you speak, create more opportunities to do that, because that's going to allow you to show up more confidently and more powerfully. Yeah. I have so much I could say on this. I love like everything you're, I was like popping all these things and memories into my mind. I think a big thing that I want to get across too is oftentimes, and I love how for your podcast, it's diving right into this is we see the exterior of how someone composes themselves, maybe with communication in a meeting. And you think, oh my gosh, that was such a great meeting. I could never do that, but you don't realize maybe how much went into that person who was preparing that maybe they were practicing at home. Maybe they actually spoke it out loud. They had everything uh, written down in bullet points so that they wouldn't forget. And they came across as confident and had great communication skills because they were practicing what they were going to do, or maybe they've done it so long and you didn't see what it first looked like when they started leading meetings 10 years ago, when they were struggling and they looked like deer in the headlights at some point when someone asked them a question. So it's helpful to remember not to compare what someone who is much farther along is doing when you're still growing, giving yourself again, that grace as you continue to get yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone and start to practice. And especially for intro, I recommend if, if you identify as introverted to reach out to your boss and say, Hey, I don't typically feel comfortable shouting out my opinion because some other people seem to uh, do that so easily. But I would love if you're talking on, let's say it's uh, a certain topic that you're really confident in. If you have a question or if you want thoughts on this particular subject, I would love if you called on me in a meeting to be able to share my voice in a way that I feel most confident in doing that. And that is not speaking uh, so vocally out of turn, maybe you think, but rather being invited to speak and you feel like you do so more confidently when that's done. I really like that a lot. I think that naming what you're worried about and Mm -hmm really trying to find a more powerful way to navigate that is a really great strategy too. So letting people know, especially if you are 
insecure about being more quiet in a meeting is to let people know, hey, you might see me over here being quiet. That's because I really value listening and I like to process before I speak. And now people understand why you're showing up that way and you have been heard, right? You, it's no longer this mysterious thing. You've put it out to the universe and people will respect you. I think also a lot of other people will be grateful that you did that because they were thinking the same thing and weren't brave enough to say it, right? (laughs) So I absolutely think that we have a great opportunity in the context, like you're talking about of communication to really make it clear to our managers, I am at my best under these conditions. Mm-hmm. Under these conditions, I will do my best, but it's not necessarily my strength. And then it's on the table. And then you've got, you're more likely to get the kind of support that you need. Yeah. And that comes with that self-awareness to be able to know what your strengths are so that you can communicate that most effectively. I love that. One thing that I talk about with my clients and in the podcast as well is growth mindset. So can you talk about how imposter syndrome can come up with growth mindset? Yeah. So what's interesting is that a lot of us have developed imposter syndrome because of the messages we got from our parents when we were younger. So a lot of people grew up with parents who say, you know, why'd you get a B when everything else was an A, right? Mm -hmm. Or it was just very obvious that achievement was the highest value in the family, or, you know, maybe they didn't get enough feedback growing up. And so they always feel like they're not good enough. So Mm -hmm. what is really unfortunate about this is that it, that is antithetical to the growth mindset, right? Like the growth mindset really allows us to recognize I have a choice. If I'm not good at something today, I can choose to invest further in that and become better at it. But a lot of times when we were growing up, we didn't hear that message from our parents. It's like, you know, you all, I I value the end result, right? And it didn't Mm -hmm. encourage us necessarily to take risks or to see ourselves as having agency in the process. So I really like what you were saying before about adding that right now, or I like to use the word yet to the end of every sentence that you, whenever you're drawing a sweeping conclusion about yourself to say, you know, I'm not good at this yet. And that also allows you to take a step back and normalize that because why would you be good at it if you've never done it before? I had this <laughs> this conversation with my husband at one time because I grew up always believing that not only should I be perfect at everything, but I should be perfect on day one, right? Like if, yeah. it's, if it doesn't come easily to me, then there's something wrong with me. And so we had taken the kids bowling one time and I was getting so angry that I wasn't bowling a perfect score. And my husband looked at me and he's like, how arrogant is it? To assume you would be a perfect bowler when we do this once a year, maybe right? Right. (laughs) really changed my perspective because I thought, you know what? You're right. Like it takes practice. It takes time. We, I think about this a lot, raising young kids. When I think about my kids learning to walk and how much they stumbled and hurt themselves and they kept picking themselves up and walking again. And I think, what if we didn't have a growth mindset when we were younger? Like, what if we just said, you know what? Maybe I just wasn't born to walk. Right. Mm -hmm. This is hard. It didn't come naturally to me on day one. So I'm not doing this. You know, how many times have we just done it and riding a bike, right? All the things that we did as kids and now as adults, we could really learn a lot from those younger versions of ourselves. Yeah. I think growth mindset is one of those things that, yeah, as we're perfectionists or as we 
maybe don't have some support systems to kind of say, Hey, you could do that. Sometimes I need that myself to say, Oh, you can go out and do these things that you're passionate about and that you want to do. But yeah, it's, it is like you said, if you have been raised in a way where you have been maybe expected to be so great so quickly and you aren't allowed to kind of fail along the way. Uh, I have loved that more startups, you know, in the last maybe eight to 10 years have talked about this, like failing forward or fail fast because the quicker you can recognize when something isn't working, uh, the quicker you can get on the right path or heading in the right direction. And one thing I do similar to you with my own growth mindset is saying one step in the right direction, uh, because I can't get from point A to point B in one just giant leap. I'm likely always going to fall short of that. But if I can practice of, okay, what do I need to do today? What could I do this week? What could I do this month that can help me get to uh, these skill sets and things that I want to do to help me be uh, a better leader? Or when I was younger in my career and I wanted to be a leader of a team, what was that going to look like? And being a little bit more proactive. And I think a big theme of this session is thinking, like having some of that time to reflect and to goal set really in a different way. Cause it's not like people set a new year's resolution that I'm going to be better at listening to my friends or in my conversations or uh, reflect on what I like that my boss does in meetings. Right. So it's a different way of goal setting for your own personal kind of internal growth. And one of those things as well is thinking, who can I get connected to to help me do this because I was so reactive for so long in my career that I thought if I was going to get promoted, I was, you know, someone was going to come and hand me that promotion, but I didn't realize, oh, it's going to take action and I'm going to have to do different things to stand out and kind of create a game plan from there. Yes. Yes. To everything that you just said. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're making me think about what I always think about, which is, you know, confidence follows action. It's not the other way around. A lot of times, especially those of us who were really great students, we like to believe that if we just prepare, if we just read, if we just study long enough, then mm -hmm. we're going to feel ready that that next step is going to present itself and it's going to just be a no brainer. But that's not how it works. We take action first, as scary as it might be. And then because we've taken action and we've demonstrated to ourselves, I can do this, we build our confidence to take the next step. So I think it's really important to recognize that that's, you know, it is, it is, as long as our expectations are clear, we can handle that a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree really quick. Cause I know we're running out of time. This has been such a great conversation so far, but I did want to touch on networking briefly. What would you say as a piece of advice for someone who thinks, Oh, I, I, I'm not good at networking. I can't expand my network. I don't do well at these things of connecting with people either even inside my workplace or outside of the workplace. What piece of advice would you have for imposter syndrome there? So first of all, I think that one of the things that holds us back when it comes to networking is that we believe that we have to have immediate value to offer to somebody else. And so we keep waiting for the day when we have something really, you know, powerful to, to share with somebody else. And that 
first of all, if you don't know them, it's unlikely that you'll ever know what that is. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that that's a short-sighted way of thinking about networking. It, you have value no matter who you are or what you do. You could be the youngest person in the room. You could be the least experienced person in the room and you still have value because you bring a different perspective that people mm -hmm. who have more experience or who are further down the road can't see. So I think it's really important to recognize that you don't have to go in with a you know, very formal agenda to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with somebody else. And so what I always used to do is I would use my own natural curiosity. I sometimes think of it as nosiness, but what I would do is I would just listen. I would listen to somebody say something interesting, or I'd notice that they got put on a new project. And I would just reach out and say, that's really cool. Like, I want to learn more. You said something really interesting. Can you tell me about it? Every single person said yes. And every single person said, thank you. No one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. So people want to talk about themselves. <laughs> people like to feel important. And so one way in which you are adding value is that you are making someone else feel special when you reach out to them. And so that alone should hopefully help alleviate some of that anxiety and help people to take that first step. The first step is always the hardest. I think once you have one or two conversations that are outside of your comfort zone, you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner, right? Everybody is so warm. And, and if they're not, don't make it about you. There's some people who just are busy or uncomfortable with networking, but far and away, the experience is way more positive than you'd ever expect. So just show up from a genuine place of, I'm interested in you as a human, mm -hmm. want to learn more about you and let's see where the conversation goes. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been, like I said, such a great conversation to really help people start thinking more uh, introspectively to a degree about imposter syndrome and how we can recognize it. Once we recognize that, instead of letting our minds wander or start to go into those negative self-deprecating thoughts, it's naming, okay, imposter syndrome is here. What am I going to do about it? What things can help me overcome this? Uh, and you've given so many helpful tips and, and thoughts to uh, continue to improve that in all these different areas. So thank you so much, Kim. Where can people find you, connect with you and find your podcast? Oh, thank you. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can find me under Kim Menninger on LinkedIn. And my podcast is the Imposter Syndrome Files and it's available on all streaming services. So I would, I'm looking forward to having you on my show next, Nicole. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much uh, for joining today and uh, can't wait to stay connected. Same here. Thank you. You bet. My conversation with Kim was so much fun. And honestly, the hour went by so quickly because we kept chatting. And honestly, the hour went by so quickly. And as I was looking at how we fit in all the different areas that I focus on in my coaching for imposter syndrome, I felt like we scratched a little bit of the surface and tried to dig a little bit deeper where we could. But I felt like this gave a great foundation of recognizing when imposter syndrome is popping up for you. What can you do to change your course or to be more aware? Talking about that self-awareness is such a big piece. And I loved 
all of what Kim had to share in regards to how to overcome this and to recognize your worth. I look forward to having Kim on a future episode and diving even deeper into some of these different topics around imposter syndrome because we're all human. We all run into imposter syndrome in some form or another. And the biggest part and the biggest thing to remember is to push past that and to have a great network of people who surround you and lift you up so that when you have those moments of self-doubt or negative self-talk, whatever that might be, checking in with someone else who will quickly get you back on the right path. All right, that's it for today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Next Level Leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, I would love for you to check out my career journal that I created that has over a hundred unique prompts to help you take action and work towards getting that promotion in your career, helping you feel more confident, improving your self-awareness, increasing that communication, expanding your growth mindset, and helping you to proactively network. This is action-oriented and will have space for you to write in the journal itself of what you're working on, what progress you're making. I know it can be so helpful to any woman in the workplace who wants to grow in their current role, even if you're not getting promoted, but it certainly will help you be more prepared for those growth opportunities in your life. I would love for you to check it out. The link is in the show notes and you can also find it over on my website, www.nicoleharrop.com. 